It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour with Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head on your home of the Gamecocks in Columbia. 107.5 The Game on 100.3 The Game in Myrtle Beach and 100.5 The Game in Florence. Even better than I was the yeah. last time, baby. Ooh, 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 ooh. We back. I'm And welcome in to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game. Tyler West and Chris along with you on this Wednesday morning. Uh, Chris, I believe a round of applause is in order. Oh, thank you. What did I do? Do you know why? Nope, no clue. West showed up at 10.55 this morning. He was a whopping five minutes earlier than he usually is. I thought you were congratulating me. Well, I was, say, I so. was saying we were congratulating Wes. But, okay. hey, congratulations to you, too, as well, Chris. You, you all, you're always here, like, 30 minutes before. I think so. I'd, like, I'd like to find a better balance between getting places way too early. I actually admire Wes's ability to get places on time. Now, I, now, I wish I could do it. Now, you are obviously a dad. Are you like the, hey, we got to be there Super, super early so we don't miss anything, or like, do, do you cut it close with other things? You, yes, and no, you have to do that, yeah, to have any chance of getting somewhere on time. That's true, yeah, with, with the kids. So, Chris yeah. is a if you're not five minutes early, you're late person, yeah. except <laughs> it's normally 30 minutes early, <laughs> or and that's an, okay, or an hour. It's, yeah. it's really bad, it really is a problem. Like, so I've had to readjust and become more efficient while I'm waiting somewhere, et yeah. cetera, et cetera. Well, I mean, I'm doing you know, better with it. I always look out the window, and you're over there doing some work, and obviously you guys have plenty going on right now, so you're not lacking for things to do, certainly. Absolutely not. Tons going on in Gamecock country, and that's without a super busy even, like, we're in this recruiting time right now where Carolina's about to have the first home game, so there, there will be, we don't have the list yet, Pre- presumably there will be some visitors coming on campus this week, next week, you know, you're on the road, then the Mississippi State game. So there will be an uptick in recruiting activity. But right now, not as much going on there. It's yeah. just the season. But, man, there there is plenty going on for sure. And plenty going on during the week, of course, as we're now into this regular routine of hearing from Coach Beamer and a couple of players on Tuesday as well as coordinators today. And we'll hear from Beamer again coming up tomorrow night with Carolina Calls, which you can listen to at 6 o'clock right here on the game. Coach Beamer did speak yesterday to the media talking about a number of things, obviously the biggest of which being the offensive line issues that we saw on Saturday and how they are working to improve in those areas. And as soon as my mouth starts working here, I'll let you listen to what Coach Beamer had to say. Take the shots, but uh, we got good players on the offensive line. Um, I, I would love to say this Saturday, and but I know it's we one we got to stay healthy and, and right now it's just a it's a banged up group with when you count Marquee uh, when he's healthy it's essentially three true freshmen in your two deep on the offensive line and that's the in my opinion Gene the farther you are away from the ball it's easier to play as a true freshman when you're a true freshman right out of high school and you're t- blocking three hundred pound really talented men on opposing defensive lines like you face uh, at this level of football in this league, uh, it's tough. It really is. But we've got good players. I was in there with the offensive staff before I walked in here and we were talking about it. I mean, just watching Tree today in practice and watching Trevon today in practice, those guys, they are getting better. 
And we told our team on Sunday, right, and I've used this expression with you guys before, it is a race to improve to to your point. Like, we don't have spring practice in the summer and preseason camp. Like, it's here, guys. Uh, so make sure that you're doing everything in your power, mentally and physically, when you're in this building and when you're outside this building to, to get better because we need you, need you now. And quickly here, Nick Arzulo spoke to the media as well, and he talked about the unit getting better against Furman this weekend. Um, I'd like to play more uh, cohesive as a unit. Um, I would like to protect the quarterback, uh, to be frank. And, uh, and, you know, I'd just like to see continued growth from the room. And kind of looking back at what both of them said there, especially Gargiulo talking about playing more as a cohesive unit, which is something they didn't have the opportunity to do on Saturday because they kept rotating so many guys in. You obviously had the Case and Henry injury. Like, we're going into week two still unsure of what exactly this starting five looks like and, and while you do feel like you're going to have a better opportunity against a team like Furman this weekend you know Furman is a team that can still give you problems in the trenches as well I mean I think you have a, a, a catch-22 here like you and and here's the thing you're going to be if you don't change things then not that you should really worry deep down what the collective fan base says about your decisions about personnel but People are going to say, well, why? You didn't change anything. You didn't change anything if you don't change anything. Well, the other side is that in order to get cohesive as a unit, you you really want to be able to just make small tweaks and small changes, not have to completely reinvent what your starting five is. And so... They were kind of caught in the middle, really, all preseason. That that offensive tackle battle, I mean, we talked about it here on the show, you know, over and over again because that battle kept going. Well, that kept you from being able to actually say, all right, here's our starting five. Let's let them get as many reps together in practice as possible. And like has been said many times, not an excuse, but you don't have preseason games to sort of let somebody else go ahead and expose your issues, you're your practicing against yourself every single day. And, you know, North Carolina was able to expose some of those things. I will say this, the depth chart was updated on Monday. There was one, I think, maybe one change on the offensive line. Don't don't read into that. Like That's not going to be the starting five, Wes? I mean, some some weeks it will be. <laughs> well, but, I mean, Ja'Kai Moore shows up in two different spots on that yeah. updated depth chart. So, yeah, Ja'Kai's gonna pull double duty. But I, you know, here here's the thing: it's it's Monday, which so they they do practice Sunday, but Sunday is more of a young player and more of a correction day. Monday is their NCAA mandated day off, which is the day that the depth chart came out. So yep. I I appreciate that they did you know, updated the depth chart based on the guys that are out for an extended period of time, took them off, added somebody in their place. But, you know, I I have seen the take, oh, oh, man, they haven't changed anything. Well, it's not going to – that, if if they have different five guys out there or or different combinations of guys, that may be reflected in next week's depth chart after we've all seen it. But don't read into – like I – absolutely changes are completely on the table this week now what those actually are chris i think depends on how do those guys respond in practice um you know if you say hey we're going to give this guy a shot and then he whiffs on every block (laughs) you're you're gonna say well we're not giving you a shot shot. yeah Yeah, on saturday but 
all these things are on the table. I would expect some some more shuffling, which you have to do, but you don't want to do. Yeah, it, it's the great. You used a great term, catch twenty two, and that's where they are with the offensive line right now. And you know, Shane Beamer made a great point in that you don't have spring ball, you don't have summer, you don't have preseason camp. The first half of preseason camp, where you're just saying, "All right, we're working on South Carolina." We're figuring out our combinations. We're developing. The developing time is over, right? Like now, every single week, you're getting Sunday for corrections, like Wes said. You're off on Monday per NCAA rules. you got to have that day off. And then you've really got Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Friday is going to be your walkthrough day. That's almost hay in the barn time. So you really have kind of three critical – they're all important. All the other days are. The day off is important. But you got those three critical days in the middle of the week. And what you're having to use those for now is to find a workable combination. You know, and so you don't have time. Let, let's talk about the freshman, right? So Marky Anderson, doubtful for this game. We, we'll, in the future, he'll be on the table. Right now, he's not as much. But Trovon Ball, Tree Babalade, who's a tackle, you know, he he's going to have an opportunity. Tro Ball even during preseason camp, got some first-team reps at times, just kind of behind the scenes for different reasons. If they stick one of those guys in there, and Beamer alluded to this yesterday too, there will be growing pains. Yep, They're going to miss an assignment. Uh, you know, They're going to get beat. And so there's kind of this trade-off of, all right, do you ride – if they're kind of all things being equal, do you just ride with a freshman or two, um, whether it's a rotation guy or a starter? You know, maybe so. They've also got some guys. I mean, Gargiulo can play multiple spots, and uh, Ja'Kai Moore can play multiple spots, as the depth chart indicated and as his career has indicated. So we'll see where it comes out. I don't know if we have a good answer yet as to what that combination is going to look like. I, I mean, I, I think I would I would imagine this is kind of uh, reading to the lines, putting together some stuff we've heard. I think you're going to see Trowball get his shot. You know, does that mean he starts? Maybe, maybe not. Does that mean he rotates in? Um, you know, do you move some guys out to tackle? There's already an indication that that, that could be happening with Ja'Kai Moore, you know, being at right tackle on the depth chart, but also being listed at right guard. But if you if you slide Ja'Kai out, you know, Gargiulo has played outside before. If you start sliding guys out, you've got to move guys into these guard spots. I think that's where you look at, you know, Trey Jones probably has a shot. He was first off the bench on the interior on Saturday, and then uh, Ball, who, you know, was a pretty highly rated guy in his own right, but wasn't quite up there with Tree or Marquis, they've long thought he was very far along in his development, even as a high school player. So he was maybe the guy you circled saying he didn't come in in the spring, but is uh, pretty technically sound for a freshman. So, uh, you know, I I think if you're going to give those guys a shot, you might as well go ahead and do it this week and then see how it goes. And obviously you don't want to get hurt at any position, but but looking across this entire offensive line with Henry being out for an extended period of time, Marky Anderson dealing with his injury issues, you talk about a place you cannot afford any more injuries at all, and, and depending on who it is, depends on which way you move the chess pieces around, but you're kind of at the bottom of the barrel on, on options that you have, it seems like, and you can't afford to lose anyone now. Well, especially at offensive tackle, man. Like they, they've got some pieces to work with on the inside. Now you are you're kind of faced with the fact that your lack of options at offensive tackle is now affecting your depth and even potentially your your starting group 
you know, on the inside. So you're you're trying to figure out how to get your best five. The 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 bad part about that is that could you could weaken some of your interior spots by trying to spread guys into your offensive tackle spots. And you know, I, I was talking to a friend of mine last night. He was like, "How how did this happen on the offensive line?" And you know, they they've recruited incredibly well in this 2024 you know incoming class for next year. They recruited incredibly well for this 2023 class freshman right now. But if you look back and you kind of count back, okay, these guys would be, uh, you know, your redshirt freshmen right now. These guys would be your redshirt sophomores right now. These guys would be your redshirt juniors. You're starting to get back into the territory of when South Carolina was a two-win team, into the territory of when Shane Beamer took over and you really didn't even have a real high school class that year because the class kind of fell apart. So that's why you're looking at South Carolina having to take a bunch of uh, transfers. You can't. It's hard to win on the offensive line with transfer portal guys, honestly, even though you can find them. Gargiulo has been great. It's just uh, it's very difficult to do. And so if you if you want a reason why, go back. Even look at the overall numbers in those classes on the offensive line compared to the numbers that South Carolina is aiming to take these last couple of years, and you start to kind of see why they're dealing with these issues. Another area that they have concerns is with linebacker. Coach Beamer spoke about that yesterday as well. We'll hear from him. Coming up, you're listening to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs, here on The Game. Welcome back in. Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs, here on The Game. I want to let you know, Jay and Terry can be broadcasting the afternoon show today from 3 until 6 out at Todd and Moore. If you're looking for Gamecock gear for game day or the latest athletic shoe styles, from famous name brands, go straight to Todd and Moore, your hometown sports store, 620 Hugey Street. Always the best prices and lowest selections for everyone. Open from 10 until 6, Monday through Saturday, and uh, just below the Coliseum near Blossom Street. So again, Jay and Terry out there for the afternoon show today from 3 until 6. Uh, yesterday, Coach Beamer started off his press conference uh, with the news of the day that we had uh, gotten a couple hours before talking about Mokaba. Uh, we, we obviously released the information about Mo Caba. Uh, heartbreaks for him. Uh, somebody, obviously, a fantastic human being, first and foremost, and fantastic player for us. Uh, really hard deal when he tore his ACL last year against Arkansas. And uh, it was tough for us, obviously, to deal with from an emotional standpoint. And kid worked his butt off uh, throughout the offseason, spring practice, was practicing with great energy. Um, and uh, was truly loving being back out there, as you could imagine, smile on his face every day at practice. So uh, really hurt for him um, and wish him – not wish him well, but we'll wrap our arms around him and and uh, we'll see what the future holds. But um, I would ask everybody that's affiliated with Gamecock Nation to please uh, think about Mo because this is uh, tough on him and tough on our football team as well and again we talked about this yesterday unfortunate news all the way around you know not just from the team perspective but most great guy we've obviously had him in studio with us here before for the uh the garnet trust tower worked so hard to get back and just unfortunate to see him have yet another setback in his career yeah like we said yesterday you you hate it for him i mean you could sort of sense and feel the emotion i i thought kind of watching shane beamer talk about it and uh you know it can be a cruel game man i um you know, I, 
I, as I was watching the Braves last night and, uh, you know, Soroka now dealing with another injury as well, yep. um, I, I found myself actually thinking back to Mo and, um, you know, what, what he is kind of dealing with and how, um, you know, sports for a lot of these guys, um, you know, you, you do hope they have other things in, in life to kind of uh, grab their attention and find joy. But obviously, if you're going to play at this level, you know, football is a large portion of uh, what you put your energy and, and effort into. So uh, it's not just the physical part of it, it's the mental part of it as well. Um, you know, you, you obviously have to, which we did yesterday, you have to talk about what it means for South Carolina as well. But, you know, I, I've found myself just kind of going back to, to what it meant for Mo. And I even went back and looked at our, you know, our interview with him when he was in studio and he talked about how even though he had been through this before, which of course this this was his second one he was coming off of, that he, even knowing, hey, I know what this is going to be like, I know what I'm going to have to go through, that he had some dark moments uh, along the way. So, you know, you, you cer- certainly feel for him because he's got a grueling physical process ahead, but a grueling uh, mental process ahead as well. Yeah, and I remember last year, you know, Mo talking about how Jordan Strong went down, you know, basically right near him on the sideline in that Arkansas game. Both those guys going down with ACL injuries. Both of them haven't been through it before. And then since they were on kind of the exact same timeline, going through a recovery together, going through a recovery that they had both been through before individually, they were able to kind of lean on each other. And so, yeah, you would imagine that's kind of a – and Shane Beamer indicated as much as his, in his comments, that can be kind of a, of a lonely place, you know, to be with another injury, you know, the third serious major knee injury from Okaba. So definitely feel for him, uh, a blow to the team, a blow for him, and and just tough stuff. And, you know, as we mentioned yesterday, it's worth reiterating, pointing out again, you know, the linebacker depth taking a hit for the Gamecocks. You kind of had – you had three guys – who were good enough to start for you. You had a couple other guys who were expected to be in the mix as, as depth. Bam Scott, who who might actually be, you know, starter caliber as well. Yep. We, we, we don't know yet his development because we didn't see him in game one, but he should be back. Pup powered. He traveled but didn't play. He missed some time in the preseason, banged up as well, but was good by the end of preseason. And Shane Beamer has been very clear that he's going to be working in putt powered too defensively. So you still have a few guys that it looks like you can count on, but it's important. I mean, you mentioned offensive line, Tyler. You don't need any more injuries. That's certainly the case at linebacker too. Uh, one name that I feel like we haven't talked about in months, but somebody that could certainly play a role in this room, Jerron Willis, the linebacker transfer from Ole Miss. I mean, we talked about him when he, when he transferred in, and he was a pretty highly touted recruit in the 2023 class haven't really heard anything about him in these past couple months outside of just you know documenting where he was on the depth or uh as far as the the media availability that you guys had for some practice drills and stuff but again when you talk about Mo Kaba being out for the rest of the season and needing some reprieve for Debo and Stone who played pretty much the entire game the other night and again god forbid somebody else gets injured that it's a name that we could certainly hear as well yeah and you you kind of get the feeling from from what Beamer said that Maybe he's not quite ready yet, and um, you know I, I think they're. You kind of look right now if you get Bam Martin Scott back, um, which you know they should very soon, if not this week. Th- those are kind of your four guys. So obviously Debo Stone 
then you add in Pup, then you add in Bad Martin Scott. So so there's your four, there's your rotation. If you get now you're kind of if you get somebody else banged up, that's when you start to I think really get worried and you're you're busting into no offense to the guys, but busting into walk ons and, you know, players that, that maybe aren't quite ready for it yet. So I, I think for them part of you know, it's kind of a self fulfilling prophecy too, when you have to play guy we saw this I mean, let's go back to Muschamp era. We saw you have a position, oh man, can't afford injuries at this position. <laughs> We don't have depth. We can't count on the guys behind them. Okay, but because we don't have depth, you have to play them every snap. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, the more snaps you play, logic would tell us the greater chance of having an injury um, just from the pure mathematics of it. That's not even to throw into the account of, well, maybe if you're playing a little bit tired, maybe you're banged up but you're playing through it, you, you might potentially put yourself in a spot to, to get further injured so I think for them you know Debo and Stone they really showed no signs I didn't think of being like winded or tired like they were running around they were up to the challenge but we've seen this movie before you can't ask your two starting linebackers to go out there and play every single snap so I think you know Ben Martin Scott's had a really good preseason he's just you know, dealt with injuries. And, you know, you, you have to, you know, Stone Blanton, that's the guy that's, that has dealt with shoulder injuries in the past. So, to me, Chris, linebacker's kind of a spot like running back. You're going to have bumps and bruises because you're throwing your body around. You're, you're hitting that hole. You're meeting a big running back, you know, in the A-gap. And you're, you both have bad intentions. So, I, I think for them, continuing to, to, to get Ben Martin Scott, but then continuing to, work Pup Howard in there for the first time this week, but letting that be something where he plays a bunch, I think, is going to be critical for them to continue to build depth at that position. Something else he spoke about yesterday was the wide receiver position, notably about Luke Doty getting some looks on Saturday night, making a few catches as well. We'll hear what Beamer had to say about that. Coming up, you're listening to Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs here on The Game. What you're talking about. Sponsored by Love Chevrolet. On your home of the Gamecocks. In Columbia, 107.5 The Game. Also heard on 100.3 The Game in Myrtle Beach. And 100.5 The Game in Florence. Welcome back in. Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyra West and Chris here in the Herndon Chevrolet Studios. Reacting to a lot of what Coach Beamer had to say to the media yesterday. Of course, we'll have the coordinators talking a little bit later on today, and we'll be able to react to that coming up tomorrow. One thing from Saturday night, Luke Doty getting some looks at wide receiver, pulling in three catches for 41 yards. Coach Beamer was asked about Luke Doty making the transition to the receiver spot. Uh, good question, and it is a question for us. There's no question about it. First part of it, for, or the, the uh, last part first. First part first. You know what I mean? Um, a while ago. Uh, he was a guy that you know we we he's got receiver skills. He's very natural at it. He's a really good athlete, and and I told Luke when we talked about it, 
you know, we talked about it a little bit last year, but when we were really committed to it this year, I talked to him and I told him, look, like you're still our backup quarterback, but you're one of our better football players. And it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for you to be standing next to me on the field, standing next to me on the sideline for if we play 70 plays on offense for 70 plays during games. Let's get you on the field and get you going. You're still, um, excuse me, you're still the backup quarterback. You're still a quarterback, um, but he's awesome. He's smart. For sure, I sit in on those quarterback meetings, so he's able to hear how Dow is coaching the quarterbacks on routes and things like that. But then we're also able to coach him up on the receiver part of it as well. So it's really beneficial for him to be in there with those quarterbacks. Uh, Two, he gets time with Justin Stepp, you know, so he's able to uh, get the receiver part of it as well. And we continue. We're going to have to do more of that, just the technique and fundamental part of it, playing receiver, beating press coverage, stuff like that. As well, but he's got natural hands. And like I said, he's a really good athlete. He's tough and he's smart. And then the other thing, too, is he's doing some special teams. I mean, he was on our punt pressure team the other night. So whenever North Carolina punted, Luke was out there as well. And we'll probably continue to emphasize and increase that role also. We do have to be smart because he is a quarterback. And we can't ask him to do too much. But it's something that we really talked about early in preseason camp. And and uh, credit Luke to him. And he got reps at it, but it wasn't like it was a – Ton of reps, and he's playing in there on the in the slot where where AB is and, and Eddie Lewis is, but it's just a way to create more depth at that receiver position. I thought Chris Luke looked uh, phenomenal uh, for for a guy who kind of you know isn't a, a full time wide receiver. Frankly, like he's taking second team quarterback reps, he is in a position where that that's been his primary position for most of his college career. We know he took some reps at receiver as a true freshman, you know, I, I do think it is beneficial. For one, Luke is just one of those guys that kind of naturally is good at a lot of different things. Two, um, some of our, our locals here will remember, uh, you know, he played receiver at Myrtle Beach as a sophomore in high school because they had a senior quarterback who was coming back. So he does have experience playing the position. I thought he looked pretty explosive with the ball in his hands. You could tell, um, you know, he got open. There there wasn't, like, a bunch of guys around him, so it seemed like he was kind of looking the ball in, making sure that he held on to it as opposed to just kind of catching it and continuing running. But one, once he got the ball in his hands, I, I thought he looked pretty explosive. And it felt to me like he was more of someone that could actually help them at receiver this year as opposed to this just being – you know, for lack of a better word, like a gimmick. Like we we see sometimes, oh, you know, put your athletic quarterback at wide receiver, and we we see different results. Sometimes it's a cool thing for fans to talk about, and it never amounts to much of anything. Combine what we saw from Luke in a uh, a little bit of time on Saturday with the questions at wide receiver after the main three, and. I think this is viable. Like I, you know, I, I think Luke can can catch double digit passes this year. He's already a third of the way there, almost. This is another catch twenty two. I think for the staff, and Beamer alluded to it there at the end of of that soundbite he gave, saying we got to be careful about how much we do because he's a backup quarterback. So to me, that begs the question. I mean, Luke can do what he did in game one splitting time, obviously, because he did it. But do you give him more? Because I I still have – it's a one-game sample, Wes, right? So I don't think we need to write off 
you know, Eddie Lewis, Eddie Lewis not out there, only was out there on special teams, I believe, from what I saw. But Nick Carver's still in there, you know, Omega Blake, et cetera. And those guys could have better games. But, you know, Omega Blake, he played 53 snaps. He, he had one target, didn't have a catch in the game. Mm-hmm. And obviously there were a lot of reasons for that, right, that we, we already established they didn't run the ball well. Offensive line was not good in this game. So it's not just on him. Xavier Leggett had a career game, you know, on the other hand. So Luke did look good, and I think he, he's a really good athlete. He's smart. He's reliable. He's going to run the right routes for you. Kind of checking with some people around the program, that's kind of the review I got of how, use the word viable, Wes, how viable is this? I would be extremely tempted if I was South Carolina staff to devote more time to Luke Doty at receiver because I think he could legitimately help and he might could answer that question for you. You know, who who are our guys behind our starting three? That's not established at all yet. But you also have to balance, okay, if something happens to Spencer Rattler, if he has to come out of the game, what is your next move? Is it still Luke if you devote more time to him at the wide receiver position? Is it Lenora Sellers, who we all think behind the scenes, you know, he's not, he only gave two quarterbacks on the depth chart, but we all think Lenora Sellers is a guy that's the quarterback of the future and could even factor in in some type of role this season. So that's kind of the tension in all this, but it is just one game. So, you, again, you don't write off what you saw from the other guys and you don't anoint Luke, but I think we've seen, we've heard enough, Wes, even aside from his performance in the game, we heard splitting time in preseason camp that he had made some plays. So I would be very tempted to, to give him more run at receiver. Yeah, well, he, he went out there and he did it on a game when you were struggling to find guys to, to go make a lot of plays for you. And, you know, I, I think for the rest of that room, you got to continue to bring Harbor along. We, we got to remember with Harbor, we, we all tried to warn people, Beamer tried to warn people like, hey, don't don't put the expectation. It's not fair to put the expectation because his, of his very unique background um, on him to come in and catch, you know, 10 passes in game one. Well, we know he was banged up as well. So a guy, a guy like Juice Wells can miss a ton of reps and go back out there and play. You know, and, and even Juice kind of w- was not himself as far as getting into the flow of that game and making a bunch of plays. So I, I think it would be foolish to expect a Nick Harbor to, to be able to just come in and impact a game, game one, when he's missed so many of those valuable reps in practice. So they're going to have to keep bringing Harbor along, I think, as far as one of those backup guys. I think there's still a role for Elijah Caldwell, to um, to come along, can you bring him along as the season progresses? I think he's an option. I was a little bit, I, I actually I would say more than a little bit. I was downright surprised we didn't see more of um, Eddie Lewis. And you know when you look at the issues there, you look at what he did and past stops. I do again. I I don't want to be speculation guy, but <laughs> you know I, it had me wondering was was he banged up. Uh, leading into this game as well because he he did get in on special teams but it was at punt return and that was that was after AB had exited the game and he just fair caught it mm-hmm. so you know w- was that a case of just he was available but not not quite a hundred percent so it was like hey man go go fair catch this ball and remember he was uh, I, I've just now popped in my head the name you coined Eddie Blue because he was in blue for a practice. 
one of our viewing windows. So at least at some point during preseason, he was in a blue jersey. Now, he's never, to my recollection, he was never listed mm-hmm. on an injury report or anything that of that nature that Beamer gave, but that's entirely possible because when you look at it, it doesn't make a lot of sense, right? He's consistently mentioned in that second tier, that second group of receivers, but Nick Carver, I think, played 10 snaps. Uh, Omega played 53. Luke played, I think, 25 or so snaps. I think those are the only guys that played at receiver. So Peyton Mangrum did Peyton too. Mangrum, yeah. Peyton Mangrum played a little bit and had played a, about ten a, snaps a or so. It feels like, yeah. So uh, usually you would expect Eddie Lewis to be in there. So um, in the future, I would think we'll, yeah. we'll see a little more. He, of him. he was consistently listed, yeah, on the depth chart with yep. the twos and was with the twos when we were out there. Yep, as well. So, so it doesn't really match. So yeah, again, not trying to speculate, but the the evidence is there yep. that that something wasn't quite what you would expect yeah and we'll see what they do with the wide receivers uh this weekend against Furman and how many of them they do end up using again coming up later today we're going to hear from the coordinators ahead of the Furman game and recapping what happened against North Carolina we'll preview that a little bit coming up you're listening to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour with Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head on your home of the Gamecocks in Columbia, 107.5 The Game. Also heard on 100.3 The Game in Myrtle Beach and 100.5 The Game in Florence. Welcome back in Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Myself, Wes, and Chris, a few more minutes to go before myself and Elijah carry today's edition of the halftime show again jay and terry broadcasting live out at todd moore for the uh afternoon show coming up from three to six right here on the game uh, chris was telling me during the break uh, sc Statcast on twitter that is clark brooks who has any and every sc stat you can think of especially during football season put one out yesterday about spencer rattler's pass chart versus north carolina and, and we've talked about this for these past couple days already that despite the O-line issues, Spencer Rattler played a great game, all things considered, and uh, these numbers certainly uh, back that up. Yeah, the numbers definitely back up the eye test. And uh, Clark has, you're right, Tyler, he has uh, every stat you can possibly think of to where you will definitely need a a key to find out what, what does this uh, particular thing mean? What is a, a dot and what is any dash A, things like that. But some key stats that come from this um, – 90.9 adjusted completion percentage. That is obviously really good. Very close to 100. Only 7.7% uncatchable balls. Um, 17.9% explosive. Just 2.6% of passes were interceptable. And I think, Wes, you had said that PFF had Spencer Rattler with no turnover-worthy plays. Correct. So that, that, honestly, guys, was maybe the most amazing thing about the entire performance is that Despite running for his life for much of the game, despite the pressure he was under, Spencer took very good care of the ball, which actually was a huge reason that, despite not playing well at all, um, South Carolina still had an opportunity to be in this game late in the game. Clark Brooks also pointed out, guys, some other things that backed up what we saw with our eyes. The total pressure rate allowed by the team was 39.2%. And Clark says that's well into the danger zone. (laughs) 
I don't know. I don't know. Well, what, well, in caps into the danger zone. Yeah, and I don't know what his line is for the danger zone. You know, I don't know if it's twenty five percent, thirty, but you can just look at it. Just however you slice it, thirty nine point two percent on a pressure rate, not great. And then one more. So the past two seasons, South Carolina has finished in the bottom five in rush yards before contact in the country. And Clark says that they've got an excellent chance. That's not a compliment the way he's saying it, of finishing in the, in that metric for the third straight year. Uh, they had 16% success rate running the ball against UNC and to carry on Joyner with the lone broken tackle in the run game. So, again, just lends credence to the idea that what we saw at the offensive line, it, it was pretty much that ugly at times on Saturday night. Yeah, when when you look at the chart on sccstatcast.com about where his distribution was, a lot of it was in that, you know, one to ten yard area just past the line of scrimmage where most of his completions were. And again, when you don't have a lot of time in the pocket to let the play develop, that's about what you get. And again, overall, all things considered, Rattler had a a very solid night against North Carolina. Yeah, um, you know, Clark, man. This guy is absolutely phenomenal at breaking this stuff down. He also said that this is something Clark has always been a little bit hung up on with Spencer would be the number of short, shorter throws or sh- throws behind the line of scrimmage. Um, 23% uh, were targeted behind the line of scrimmage on Saturday. That's actually down a decent amount uh, from 31% last year, which um, he still thinks 23% is too much. I would argue with this game, you, you kind of had to. They were trying to use that as an extension of their running game a lot, I think, so that that played into it. He said for the most part, and this is where you really can, I think, benefit from Clark. You can, you can find a lot of these different, the actual stats, but Clark is literally diagramming the offenses, which I don't even know how he does it. Um, I would love to see that. Yeah, it's it's insane. But he he said for most of the pass plays – were similar to last year. Um, even though he said there were some new patterns in there, he said the biggest switch was that, remember how much they talked about running duo under yeah. Satterfield? Yeah. He said that um, duo not involved or not called much, if at all, and that there wasn't much counter called either. But that some of that, I mean, look at how few plays yeah. South Carolina ran on offense. We're still gathering data. He does mention this uh, Texas pattern, which um, actually was one of my favorite calls oh. of the game. Um, that was is basically an, it was down near the goal line. It was right before South Carolina's first touchdown of the game, first touchdown drive of the season. It was uh, Joiner on an angle route, and then so he's he's out of the backfield. He makes like he could be going to the flat, then he cuts across the middle, and then right behind that you have Trey Knox on the post route. So it puts the linebacker in conflict. It puts man coverage in conflict and basically gives Spencer a high-low right there between the two guys, and that was a great ball from Spencer, accurate on time to Trey Knox, where they almost got into the end zone and they ran it in with Joyner very next play. That felt like a um, a Dow Loggins NFL call to me. Well, that's, Texas is one of the best plays on NCAA football, <laughs> and I, I think there they have go. it on Madden too, but it's, one of, it's seriously one of my go-tos when you need yeah. – Back in the day when I used to play, if you needed something on third down, you're going to to Texas. The angle route's perfect. Here, here's another thing, Wes. You pointed out you did see a lot of quick throws. So you saw, you know, second play of the game, you see a quick throw out there to Trey Knox. North Carolina kind of had it covered up 
South Carolina did not block well from what I saw, perimeter, you know, screen game. But we also saw some quick passes out to carry on Joyner, and one of the areas in which North Carolina got the better of the Gamecocks, open field tackling, mm-hmm. right? There were several of those plays where you go, man, you got to make a guy miss there. It kind of had me wondering, do we see a little bit more Juju McDowell, who's one of their better open field guys, just trying to get him more involved in those types of concepts in space? There's a trade-off there. That's kind of a theme of what we've been talking about many of these areas today, pass protection, mm-hmm. inside running. But that's a thought that I had coming out of that and some of these plays saying, man, wonder what Juju could do with that type of play. Well, I, th- I thought they um, they got Juju out there. Yeah, they um, did get him something, yep. To set up one of the touchdowns that I think Juju himself ran in one play later from the one. Mm-hmm. Um, they got A.B. into some space yep. at times, and he proved, you know, even if he is a little bit of a long strider is what I think Loggins called him, if you give A.B. a little bit of space, it reminded me a good bit of how we saw him used, you know, two seasons ago against North Carolina yep. in that same stadium. If you give him a little crease, he can make something happen. Obviously, he won't set drop back. Um, I'm sure nobody felt worse than him. Nobody's perfect. But I, I, I thought what we saw from A.B. was was very viable as well and that he can be a big part of this offense in the passing game. So you, you take all the data if you're Dow Loggins, you adjust, and uh, you, you move forward. Last thing here, uh, anything particularly you're looking forward to hear from the coordinators today? No. <laughs> Simply no. <laughs> that, that's my way of turning it over to Chris. No, I think, uh, you know. Uh, we're going to learn Saturday. Yeah, we'll learn Saturday. Uh, Loggins isn't going to give away a lot. No. He'll be philosophical as usual. And just to get Clayton White's assessment. You know, yeah. I thought they were up and down. How did they play? Fair enough. That'll do it for today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Halftime show with myself and Elijah coming up here on the game.